3: Hello, once again, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Packaday Day Podcast. It is championship weekend for the Packers, as they're in the NFC title game, taking on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My name is Mike and I'm joined by Tyler Gork and Gage we will break down and preview the NFC championship game from Lambeau Field on Sunday afternoon. But first of all, everyone, thank you for joining us. We hope you guys are staying warm and safe. Staying safe as we get ready for this title game. And guys, four teams left. We'll be two by the end of Sunday. And you know we're all hoping and we're all cheering that, that one of them will be Green Bay going on to Tampa in two weeks.
4: I just don't want to see Tom Brady take the Buccaneers to the Super Bowl. Not that there's any argument that can be made against him right now as one of the well, I like to look at the word as greatest as a different, you know, different perspective, but you know, if he if he comes into Tampa and this team goes to the Super Bowl with him at the helm uh, there will be absolutely no debate, zero zilch. Right now, there's like a sliver, a sliver of a debate, but he would be the greatest quarterback of all time. Um, not the most talented. We all know who that is. But the, I just, I'm not ready for that storyline right now, and I'm not ready for the storyline of ten, of Tom Brady coming into Lambeau Field and stopping Aaron Rodgers. I would have multiple aneurysms throughout the week. Uh, so I'm, I'm that's the biggest reason I'm hoping for a Packers win. Um, I don't know about you guys. I've been kind of a nervous wreck all week uh, just because, the, you know, maybe that's just the pregame jitters. But, you know, with each passing day, I just keep thinking about like, oh, well, what if the Bucks do this, what if the Bucks do that? Um, you know, that's just playoffs too. So that's what makes the playoffs so much darn fun is uh, that there's so much on the line. So it's going to be a lot of fun, and I'm, I'm truly hoping for the best because, uh, man, I do not want to deal with the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl if, if it goes sideways. Um,
5: Similar to Tyler, uh, uh, like I'm a little less nervous. I've just been – I've been avoiding a lot of uh, media this week in terms of e- everywhere on national media is just how Brady is the guy and how it's Brady, 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 Brady. Okay, the Bills are here. Great. We'll talk about the Bills for two seconds. Okay, Brady's back. we got to go talk about him, and I'm just – I'm worn out. I saw a thing for the NFL, like, network there uh, scheduling for, like, their six-hour whatever it is, like, edition of the show, like, leading up to the games tomorrow. The Packers are mentioned one time on the entire sheet of the schedule, and it's, when like, outside of the live report. So they do live report for the game, and then they have a Kurt Warner breaking down the matchup between Brady and Rodgers. Other than that, you have super f- – Fans of the of the Bucks, uh, you have Bills legends, you have uh, Bills super fans, you just all this stuff, and I'm like, okay, we get it, we get it. You love Brady, and in Tyler's, in the way Tyler said it, I don't want to hear about Brady for two weeks. I can't do it. Um, I just, I'm a little bit different. I think Brady's the greatest quarterback of all time in terms of accomplishments. He has the most rings, most this, most that, whatever. But I, I agree. He's not the most talented quarterback of all time. I've had that discussion all week. And anytime somebody said, Oh, Brady's going to do this. Cool. Great. Awesome. Good. Moving on. I'm not paying attention to media. I've ignored it all week. Everybody wants to say, Oh, Tampa's a lock. We rolled you guys in week six. Guess what? The Saints went into your house and rolled you 38 to three in week nine. And that clearly didn't matter. So. Move on, let them continue to do the talking, and then we'll find out what's going to happen on Sunday. Because last I checked, and I might be wrong if someone wants to let me know, I'm pretty sure the game is still played on the field. I don't think it's played on Twitter. If I'm wrong, let me know, but I'm pretty sure that it doesn't matter what anybody has to say. I'm just ready to watch uh, two good games tomorrow. I think that these are the four best teams left. Um, I think Brady has gotten every advantage for him this year. He's gotten every offensive weapon he could have asked for. His offensive line has stayed pretty much healthy outside of AQ Shipley, who was unfortunately forced to retire due to a neck injury. His defense has played out of their mind good, turned Drew Brees over not once, not twice, but three different times last week, also forced to fumble. Everything has gone Brady's way for 20 years. And if it happens again, I'm just I'm going to lose a lot of faith in a lot of different things.
3: Uh, I'm with both of you guys. I mean, I've, I've been lucky I've had be able to have to work uh, calling sports most of this week, so I haven't been able to pay attention too much to the media stuff going on. But now with these last couple days I've had off, it's starting to sink in a little bit. And I'm with you guys. I don't want Brady. I don't want the whole Brady playing playing play the Super Bowl on his home field again or stuff. Anything like that. I, I want I want them done. I'm sick of Tampa. I'm sick of I'm sick of Brady. I'm sick of Gronk. I, I'm done with it. I, I'm looking forward to this game. I'm, I think Green Bay's got the great advantage with the Lambeau field. I think we we, we undersell what the ground, groundskeepers can do to this field with how it can limit, how, how opponents can be limited by it. And we'll talk about the weather a little, in a little bit, but I'm, I'm going into this game fairly confident. I think the Packers have a decided edge in what is. it isn't. Let's just jump into our first topic, which was what the team learned from Week 6 because Gage made the point. And so did Aaron Rodgers on Pat McAfee's show is that that Saints Buccaneers games from earlier in the year didn't matter last week and this week's 6 game went to a champion one in Tampa is not going to matter in Lambeau. It is, it's been 3 months the teams are different the players are different the coaches are different the locations are different nothing is going to be the same and i think if anything the packers have learned from their mistakes from that game they've been playing so much better since that game it was a wake up call for them and i think it's going to only get better and better As they have learned from that game and what they're going to be able to bring into the field on Sunday.
5: Yeah, uh, you said the teams are different. For one, Green Bay started three or like was missing three of their top four linebackers in that game. Like, uh, they were starting. I think Ty Summers and Orin Burks were the two leading snappers at inside linebacker. Now those guys are playing exclusively on special teams. That's it. And then you, your wide receivers, Devontae Adams, had just come back from injury. After that, you had MBS, and then Alan Lazard was out. EQ still wasn't playing, and then you were playing Derry Shepard and Malik Taylor. Last I checked, those last two guys, they're not getting any snaps. Uh, Tyler Irvin, was, I believe that was that one of the games Tyler Irvin missed, if I'm not mistaken?
6: Mm-hmm.
5: Okay, so Tyler Irvin out, didn't play, and then now, yes, he's still out, but you have Tavon Austin to kind of fill his role. Aaron Jones played two snaps in that game before he got injured and he left the game. He just Aaron Rodgers didn't throw not like he threw two picks he threw five picks all year and one of those picks turned into a pick six in his entire career he's thrown three of those everything that had to go against Green Bay in that game went against Green Bay in that game they had chances to turn the ball over that didn't happen they had chances to. Get sacks on Brady that didn't quite happen. Just everything that needed to go against them went against them. You don't have those games. Those are outlier games. That's why it's so hard to go sixteen zero because every team's going to have one, and that's what this is for Green Bay. It was a thirty eight to ten trouncing. After Green Bay started the game, they started the game strong, and then everything went against them, and it snowballed quickly. That's not going to happen here. So I think that they saw what happened in Week Six was, hey, we beat ourselves. So the same thing happened in the in the Colts game. Green Bay lost against the Colts because they beat themselves. They had too many turnovers, too many short fields, just kept beating themselves. And if you don't beat yourself, you're going to beat a lot of teams. And that's how Green Bay has been all year. Against the Rams, everyone was really worried, oh, the number one defense. Rodgers struggles against number one defenses and number one corners. Well, what did Rodgers and the offense do? They took care of the ball, and they went down, and they won by two scores. This team, when they don't beat themselves, it's really, really, really hard to beat them. And that goes for the good teams and the bad teams. They're just tough to beat because they are so fundamentally sound and they're all playing for each other and just – they're not relying on luck like some teams are. Everybody – like there's a little bit of luck in every game, but there's – this team isn't relying on luck. They're just executing their game plan better than you're executing your game plan, and and they're just that much better than everybody right now.
4: The thing is, too, you can't gift wrap 21 points in an NFL game and expect to win that game. That's exactly what happened in Tampa. The 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 interception was inside the 40. The pick six, the fumble was inside the 40. That's three possessions inside the 40 where all they really had to do was punch it in. You know, there wasn't too much work that the Bucks had to do. Outside of that, you know, the Packers defense did a decent job containing the Bucks offense in that game. Now, the Bucks offense has kind of taken a step forward since then, and that's something that's worth noting. Uh, but no Antonio Brown, who really started to come on late in the season in this offense. But Mike Evans, um, he, he, you know, while he's Mike Evans, he's still dealing with an injury. Chris Godwin is, has, drow- has struggled with some drops this year. The, the the offense is still gonna be good for the Bucks because Brady's a very intelligent quarterback. He's gonna know you're not gonna be able to trick him too much. The the key is he can't move. Like that's literally what that's his biggest weakness is his mobility is minimal. So you have to you have to win at the point of the snap, uh, not only from a physical standpoint, but also from a disguise standpoint. You have to make him think just for two seconds just so you can get your pass rush home. And the the way that the Bucs wide receivers are going to match up with the secondary is really going to be important, especially with the injury of Kevin King lingering on the injury report for Green Bay. Uh, he's, he is a bigger part of this defense than I think a lot of Packers fans want to admit. The way that they do things, he is a critical part of that. And they don't run enough man coverage, I agree. But at the same time, he is a, an above-average corner cover-wise. He has some he has some fundamental things that he has to work through from a tackling and mental standpoint. But from an athletic standpoint of matching up with some of the best wide receivers in the NFL, he's above average. He's going to give them fits. He's going to be physical. And that, that's something that this defense has as an edge in that area. And, you know, we were talking about the motivations of this entire Packers team coming into the podcast pre-recording. The defense itself is one of the most cohesive units I think we've seen in Green Bay in a long time. And I know we've talked about that leading up to these seasons here the last couple of years about how the fundamental shift of this defensive unit from two to three years ago, how it was just kind of piecewise, It didn't really seem like they were cohesive at all. And now you have this unit that is... Arguably, now it seems like they're all best friends. Like they all just love each other. They love being there for each other. They love seeing everybody else succeed, and that carry that has carried over into the offense. This team in general has just really bonded, and I think that they weren't quite there in Week Six. Whereas if something like that happened, they threw a couple picks, they had a fumble, they could rebound from something like that much better than they could in, in Week Six because they've just bonded so much over the past few weeks. I, I, like like Gage said, nothing is the same other than the coaching staffs, nothing else is the same.
3: yeah, you guys are both right and I think Tyler, the point you make about oh, this is a full unit of a team. I think this is like the first time I've seen something like this since 2014, we have seen this this locker room as tight and as of a unit as it has as it has been in the past three months and also you talk about also like Kevin King, I agree with you. I think he's a very underrated part of this defense because he again he didn't play in that first game. Josh Jackson got a ton of snaps. Played all right, but he had a couple big penalties. And I think, with the likelihood that he'll probably be inactive for the game, with them, uh, Tremont Williams up, uh, added as a covet replacement to the active roster, and with, with, uh, Kavari Russell now add up to play special teams, good chance that Jackson won't be suiting up. And if you, if King is out there, I think that's going to be a huge advantage for the Packers to 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 play, to knowing that you have that second corner out there that you don't have to rely on guys who haven't played many snaps or a guy like Tremont Williams hasn't played on on this defense in, in a year. I think that that's that's a huge factor in this one. end. and and another thing that if you've heard anything from week six is that you now have seen them. You know what their defense does. You know what their linebackers are going to do. You know what Todd Bowles is going to be like. Be a little more likely to call defensively, so you can adjust accordingly. Matt Lafleur has become so good at making these adjustments with Nathan Hackett on offense that they can take some steps to mitigate what guy, what Levante David and Devin White can do. And I think that's going to happen on Sunday. That, that's just the lessons they've learned from the tape they've seen and what they've learned from the tape they've watched since then will show that that game, as Gage said, was an outlier, that nothing is going to be the same from that game in Tampa, least of all the personnel. So I think having King back, having Aaron Jones, having Tunyon playing the full game, having Adams fully healthy, Lazard, like all these things we've seen, it's going to be that much more important, it's going to be that much more effective for this Packers team.
4: Well, and the offense too has become much more complimentary, they're getting different pieces involved, and on the defensive side, we've seen the transformation of Darnell Savage and Rashawn Gary since since that point. It, there has just been so many fundamental changes of this, this team and the way it operates. They've become more aggressive on defense, maybe not from a man-to-man standpoint in coverage like we like to see, and that's something we can talk about here in a minute as we talk about how the Packers can game plan for the Bucks' offense. But they're playing smarter, faster, stronger. Uh, they're playing like they're not going to be beat, and if you're going to beat them – they're going to come back and beat you on the next play. Like, that's that's how they're playing right now. Uh, and, you know, that kind of plays into the, conver- the conversation that Darius Smith had with the media this week in how they watched, how Mike Patton forced the defense to watch the, the championship game from last year. You know, going into the championship game last year, the, the the feeling around the team was definitely not like the feeling is this year. Last year was like, man, we're lucky to be here. Just go out there and play your game. And, you know, whatever happens, happens. And then they got steamrolled. This year, there's definitely a certain expectation amongst the team that they are the better team on the field. And now you're fueling that with the anger of how they performed last year. I think it was a good move from Patton uh, to really kind of fuel the team that way. And show them, hey, this is what we did wrong last year. We got our we got our butts kicked, but this year we're gonna go out and we're gonna really take it to Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And we all know that Tom Brady does not necessarily do well with pressure in his face. He can't really escape it like some of the other quarterbacks can. Um, you know, he's like I said, he's intelligent, so he'll be able to identify some of these blitzes you're gonna throw at him. So it's gonna be really on Mike Patton to get his guys to where they need to be to make plays, but ultimately I think the pieces are there for this Packers defense to really take a step forward against Brady and this Buccaneers offense.
5: In regards to the Brady with uh, pressure, like, in how he struggles against pressure in his face, absolutely. I saw a graph the other day that showed, um, like, where each quarterback has completed passes from. And, oh, yeah, this was gold, like, yeah. <laughs> it was it was great. And, like, the person captioned it with Brady is a offensive lineman's dream because – Aaron Rodgers is kind of spread out a little bit, mostly in the pocket, but spread out a little bit. Mahomes has got some out-of-the-pocket stuff. Josh Allen is literally sideline to sideline, and then Brady has, like, all of his throws are from the pocket other than, like, two. He has, like, two throws that he's completed outside the pocket, and everything else is just narrowed between the numbers, or, like, but, or between the hashes. And it's just, it makes 100% sense, because when you see Brady, it, and this has been, that's been his thing forever, though. He's never been a get-out-and-move type of guy. Actually, I finally just found the list. That's kind of what I was sitting here looking for. So he's got a total of 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12-ish throws. uh, That's his release points. Like 12 of them have been outside the pocket versus the other quarterbacks all have just All over the board. He, like, so that's why Gary being number one in pass rush win rate since week 10 is so huge. Like, he is, he's won 18.7% of his pass rush, or that's his pass pressure percentage versus Aaron Donald is 18.6. Aaron Donald's pretty good, and Rashawn Gary has been better since week 10. This Packers defense has the ability to get pressure on Brady and has the ability to really cause problems for him. Like Tyler said, they don't play necessarily as much man coverage as I know all of us would like. Um, like Jair, we know that Jair could eliminate literally anybody on the field at any time if Mike Patton would just say, hey, make sure 14 doesn't catch a ball, make sure 12 doesn't catch a ball, whatever. We would like to see more of that, but this pass rush group has taken another step from last year. Yes, Preston Smith has taken a slight step back, but the the emergence of Rashawn Gary just – Adds such a boost to this team. Kenny Clark is fully healthy, and he'll be, and he can rush up the middle. And with Shipley being out, that's something that's not going to be talked about a whole. That's not being talked about a lot. I understand that the Bucks have kind of slotted in a new guy. Who, who is it? In, who is it instead now? Uh, Aaron Stinney. That's their right guard now. So Donovan Smith, Ali Marpet, Ryan Jensen, Tristan Wirfs, all locked in. Aaron is a new guy. You have your th- like. There's there three interior guys. They don't have a backup. They have Joe Haig who could go in there, but. They don't have a lot of backup on their interior, especially with Shipley being out, and that's a, that's an area that Green Bay can win in with uh, stunts with uh, Z coming in. We've seen Z rush from everywhere all year long, and while Green Bay doesn't have the blitzing linebackers that Tampa does in Levante David and Dan White, their front four can get pressure if Pettin puts them it puts them in positions to do so. Can you like running a game on one side with Gary and Z, and then the other side you got Clark and Preston doing their thing? You're gonna get pressure on Brady, keep him in the pocket. And get pressure quickly, you can cause problems for this Tampa offense because Brady wants to get the ball out quickly. And if you can, if you have your corners up on the line of scrimmage, making it to where that can't happen, and then you can just rush for and get quick pressure. It's going to be a long day for Tampa. You said earlier uh, in the previous game against Tampa Bay that they only had to go 40 yards at a time to score a touchdown. The same thing happened last week against New Orleans. The Bucs' longest touchdown drive was 40 yards. There, I think, and one was 20, and I think the other one was like two. They, don't, they haven't had to drive the ball, and they haven't played a good team since Kansas City spanked them back in, like, the beginning of November. They haven't beat a good team. Yes, I understand they beat New Orleans last week, but New Orleans beat themselves last week. They haven't beaten anybody good, like, that's on the top of their game since in the regular season, and it's not been since, like, October. Do I think this Tampa Bay team is still really good? Yes. But I also know they haven't played a team that's good and on top of their game like Green Bay is right now in a long time. And I think... That's going to be a big issue. I also think double dipping is huge. Uh, I think whichever team can, if the team can double dip here and like get that late, uh, late first half score, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, then come out and get another score, I think that that can make a huge difference in this game and really swing some momentum. I know some people don't believe momentum is a real thing. It is.
3: You're absolutely right. And I, I agree with you with, with the double dip. So hopefully Tim Boyle can go out there and Tails will once again never fail. Another thing I think on defense that's going to matter is the Packers' length. I mean, obviously, we've seen Preston Smith. DM Mallory's got length. Like Gage said, Tom Brady likes to get the ball out fast. If you don't get there, get your hands up get some deflections. Preston Smith's been really good at that the past few weeks. Darnell Savage on the Blitz has been good at that the past few weeks. If you can get some deflections at the line, maybe tip it up, maybe get a chance at another easy turnover, even with a linebacker wearing a club, that, that can go a big ways. as well defensively, at least at least in my opinion.
6: See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits
4: apply. I'm glad you mentioned Preston Smith because absolutely. He has, I think he was really struggling at the beginning of the year. Uh, Maybe the COVID workout process, you know, didn't really do him any benefits. Uh, But as the year has progressed, I think he's gotten better and better and kind of returned to the form that we saw him in last year. Uh, And so I think that he's playing some of his best football of 2020 right now. But Preston Smith... It also helps that he's not being put in coverage, so that's one thing. But, the, you know, he's really been active around the line of scrimmage, which is big because, like you said, Tom Brady is not going to leave the pocket. So you can easily have him in there manipulating some of the throwing angles or even getting his hand on the ball, which he has recently. Preston Smith is going to be a big part of this game as well. I think the front four in, in total is going to be a big part of this game. And, you know, we talked about briefly the, the Bucks' offensive line. has been really good. They've been consistent for the most part. Aaron Stinney had his first career start last week, Against uh, against New Orleans, uh, that's that is an area you can exploit. But I mean, they're still really strong on the interior, otherwise, with Jensen and Marpet. So overall, I think that this is going to be a really good game. I do think, but it's similar to the Rams. When we look at the Rams in a piecewise fashion, um, I don't consider special teams as a really defining factor, so we'll negate that. But moving into the, the defense, um, I think that this, I think that maybe the Bucks' defense as a whole is better. But I do think that as a matchup. I think the Packers defense matches up better with the Bucks offense, and the Bucks defense matches up with the Packers offense. And so, it, I think that they can really make some headway there. And on the other side of the ball, I think the Packers offense is—they're better than, the, than this Bucks offense, hands down, in my opinion. And the Bucks offense have a lot; of, they have a lot of talent. They have a lot of talent, but. Schematically and execution-wise, it's it's got to be Green Bay. And, you know, I know that problem, the, a problem early in the year for Tampa was penalties. It seems like they've cleaned a lot of those up, but if you can get this team flustered, maybe those penalties start to rear their ugly head again, and uh, really that's going to bite you uh, bite you in the behind strong if you're in the playoffs, giving Green Bay extra possessions or extra yards to work with uh, at Lambeau Field. And
3: I'm glad you brought up coaching. Like, I think that's kind of a big thing, and, and how they match up is – I think the way that Matt LaFleur and Aaron Rodgers are working together is a lot smoother and a lot more defined than how we've seen Brady and Arians. Um, I think Matt LaFleur is a better coach than Bruce Arians. I think he's more in tune with his players than Arians, and I think that's going to be a big way, especially especially at home when you have, especially now, now we have a good amount of crowd as well. And and, and you talk about also the Bucs' defense. Let's talk about that a little bit because coming up, we, obviously we know the report of Kevin King coming on the injury report late. Antoine Winfield did the same for the Bucs. And the Bucks did promote a safety from the practice squad for only the second time this year to be to be act, to be on the game day roster, so that that could be something to keep in mind. If Winfield can't go, or if he's limited, that's a huge absence in that back end for the Bucks because they're going to have Carlton Davis following Devonte Adams the entire game. Uh, Jamel Dean's going to be doing what everything he does. All the other corners going to be doing what they do. But if you don't have Winfield, there causing havoc in the back end. That's you can't we can't explain how big of a loss it is for that Bucks defense.
4: Yeah, and uh real quick Gage before I know Gage keeps getting cut off. But uh um <laughs> <laughs> Winfield is not only a schematically important part to that Bucks defense, he provides the energy to that, to the, to that back end of that Bucks defense. So that's something that we've, that we're kind of harping on with the Packers and what they've done so well this year. It also applies to the Bucks. Uh, Winfield is a big camaraderie guy for that unit and, and making sure that they're, that they're keeping their energy up as well. So it's, it's like you said, it's a loss that can't really be understated. It, he's, he's had a really strong rookie campaign, probably should be a strong candidate for rookie of the year. I think it's probably going to be a, Jeremy Chin from Carolina but
5: but it's he's gonna right there Chase Young. it's going to be it's going to be Chase Young okay well that's a debate we could have another time but, I, but okay, <laughs> real, real quick and I'll let you finish your thing it has nothing like and just, just in regards to the defensive rookie of the year do I think that Chase Young deserves it not necessarily but he's got one name recognition and two he it's a sack thing that's all it is Jeremy Chin had two different touchdowns in a game, and I'm pretty sure he had at least another touchdown in another game. Antoine Winfield Jr. has been outstanding for a good defense all year long. It doesn't matter. It matters who the everyone who everyone knows. If like that's it's it's a it's a dumb way that the voting works, but that's just how it works.
4: Yeah, and I mean, I, I the point is he's been really good all year, and so you know, with with the loss of potential loss of Antoine Winfield from that from that backfield uh you know you're looking at Jermaine Whitehead as the leading safety cool <laughs> like we all know who Jermaine Whitehead is i mean he played in Green Old Bay friend we- alert. Yeah exactly so it, you know don't don't believe for a second that, that Rodgers isn't going to pick on Jermaine Whitehead because he certainly will. Jermaine Whitehead's good for one penalty a game, at least one penalty a game. Uh, so, you know, we talk about Danny Trevathan in the way of just kind of playing dirty. That's Jermaine Whitehead for the Bucks. He's the enforcer of that back end. So you know for a fact that Aaron Rodgers is going to take advantage of that aggressiveness, especially if there's no Antoine Winfield to complement him.
5: Quick thing, you know it's Jordan Whitehead, and he's only ever played in Tampa, right?
4: Oh, I had that messed up, then, my fault. But still, he's still very aggressive. Yeah. So I had the first thing yeah, messed up, a, my he, bad. He
5: got, drafted in, he got drafted in 2018 and has only been in Tampa. He
4: came well, out of Pittsburgh. Whatever. The yeah. point is. Soon,
5: <laughs> I was like, I'm going to let him keep going, and then I'm just going to They play very the similar, thing. though, so that's
4: actually really interesting. I actually did not know they had different first names because they play very similarly, so I thought they were the same player. That's my fault. Yeah. But Nope. Pure coincidence
5: on the name thing, but yeah, Fair they enough. do play in a similar way. I remember re- or hearing a story uh, earlier in the year during when they first showed up at camp, and Antoine Winfield Jr. is in the back end and he was chirping, and Levante David had to turn around and be like, "Who in the hell is that that's talking?" Because he was assuming it was a veteran or a coach that he didn't know the name of yet, and turns out, nope it's the it's the second round rookie who is out here and calling out coverages and keeping the and like you said, keeping the energy up and really bringing he's that. He's the guy that the entire defense kind of feeds off of him Adrian and Devin Amos. White. Yeah, yep, Adrian Amos, uh, Jair. When Jair's rolling, uh, Winfield and Devin White, both of those guys, when their energy is up and they have and they're rolling well for the team, the entire rest of that defense feeds off of that. And I and it's something that I've noticed when I've watched Bucks games this year, which the Bucks are on national TV every single week for some odd reason. Um, Winfield is a huge deal, and I think that. So he wasn't ruled out he's going to get every chance to start, but the fact that he didn't practice at all on Friday after being a full participant on Thursday, that's notable. That is a big deal because that means that in one day he went from being 100% go to just not being able to play practice at all. So that could be them saying, you know what, we're just going to rest you and hope that you're good to go for Sunday I saw the comment from Bruce Arians saying, oh, we're resting Antonio Brown and we're making sure that he's ready to go for the next one. Um, I think it's weird that he's that concerned about the preseason next year already, but, um, but to each their own, I suppose. Yeah, that was a shot. Um, this, this this Bucks defense is not that good. Their their secondary is not as good as everyone makes it out to be. Yeah, they're no, great at not, stopping the
4: run. Yeah, they're they're, so, they're a good unit. They're not like yeah. great like a one one thing individually. I think they're really good at running. The, they're really good at stopping the run. But as a yeah, as a congrats. You can stop the run. The run
5: doesn't matter. If you can't stop the pass, you don't win games. That's why the Chiefs could have hung sixty points on you if they wanted to. They just elected to not do that. Um, I just I think this Bucks defense uh, overperformed a lot this year in a lot of different areas. Um, they also the secondary nicknamed themselves, which that's an automatic downgrade. Uh, they're calling themselves the Grave Diggers or something like that. I don't. You don't get to nickname yourself. Sorry, you you aren't allowed to do that. The Legion of Boom didn't do it, and you don't get to do it either. Um, I think that the the big thing for this game is the fact that Ronald Jones is not going to start. And Leonard Fournette is, and Leonard Fournette has actively said he doesn't like playing in the cold. He doesn't like playing in the snow. And granted, the rest of this this rest of this Bucks team is, and especially on the offense, is a bunch of Southern dudes. Mike Evans, I think, is like from Georgia or Texas or something like that. Went to A and M, and has only played in Florida. Like this whole this whole Bucks roster is a bunch of dudes from the South who played college in the South and then now live in the South. The cold, yeah, it's only 30, it's going to be 30 degrees instead of 12, but that's still a really big difference. Especially since you can't travel early anymore, that's going to be a culture shock. You're going to see team, guys going out and taking maybe a little longer warm up to try and get their body warmed up. I'm just I'm not sold on this Bucks team being able to beat Green Bay in all three phases, especially since their special teams is also bad. I was, I was honestly a little bit thrilled when the Bucks beat the Saints last week because the Saints, if Green Bay had to try and cover Deontay Harris on punt returns, it was going to be a freaking nightmare. And now we don't have to deal with that. Now we have to deal with uh, Jaden Mickens, who I'm not exactly afraid of him returning punts.
3: Yeah, I like the point you guys made about, especially Gage, about going from uh, full practice to no practice because the exact same thing happened with Kevin King. But with those injuries, whether it's a back injury or in Winfield's case an ankle injury, that stuff in colder weather, if you're sitting on the bench and there's a long drive, that's going to seize up a little bit. That's going to tighten up. And if Winfield has to, even if he starts, if he has to leave the game early, or if he has to miss a drive, miss a few snaps, that energy does start to sap a little bit. And White and David are really good, but we'll talk about this a little bit in a a few minutes. They can be taken out of the game if you you use their aggressiveness against them. And, And we have to Us and other members of the podcast and other podcasts and articles all over the week have been talking about going straight at these guys, and I think that's the way to do it. And that's why I think someone like Mercedes Lewis is going to be a huge factor in this game, because if you use him a lot in early downs, get a hat on specifically Devin White, get him out of his lane, the gaps are going to be there for Aaron Jones to have a monster game. And I, I think using the right game planning against this team, against what's a good unit, but not the greatest unit that everyone's hyped up to be, like, like you guys have said, is going to go a very long way toward toward really shutting down this Tampa Bay team.
1: Listen, folks, the Super Bowl is coming up. And sure, we'll all be watching the game, but the best way to celebrate the biggest day in football is to bet on the game. And we want to let you know about a great resource for sports bettors, the Action Network. The Action Network is where sports fans go to bet smarter and experience real financial games. In fact, their Action Network app was recently named the best app in sports betting. And with an Action Network Pro subscription, you can unlock the very best of the app. When you sign up for an Action Network Pro subscription, you can access the Pro Report, which includes expert projections for every game across all professional leagues. You can see money and bet percentages on every game, so you can see the teams professional gamblers are betting on. You can take advantage of Pro systems, which match winning historical betting trends, with the latest games and lines. And you can even track every bet you make and get alerts in real time. So if you're looking to bet smarter, an Action Network Pro subscription is the best way to get started. And for a limited time, our listeners can receive 50% off an annual Pro subscription. Just go to ActionNetwork.com now and receive 50% off an annual subscription when you use the code PACKADAY. This offer won't last, so go to actionnetwork.com to sign up for a pro subscription and use promo code Packaday, all one word, to receive 50% off and start betting smarter today.
4: I guess, you know, for me, uh, if we're talking about now key players uh, in this game or key players under the radar, if you will, I'm going to look at the offense. And, you know, this this defense wants to be, they want to be comfortable. They want to be aggressive. They want to be doing what they want to do. So I think the best way to get them out of that comfort zone is to stretch the field and that's going to be MVS. MVS is going to have to make a play in this game in my opinion because he can he can beat these corners one-on-one. He can beat these corners one-on-one. And when he beats the corners one-on-one, that's going to force them to play have to play over the top, and especially there's no Antoine, Win- Antoine Winfield, excuse me. They're gonna to have to start accommodating in other ways, and if they start, you know, opening themselves up, that's just gonna allow things for Aaron Rodgers to be super easy.
5: Uh, quick breaking news: Matthew Stafford and the Lions have mutually agreed to part ways this offseason, and the team will begin exploring trade options in the coming weeks for their star quarterback.
4: San Francisco is the landing spot,
5: but that's the well. I mean, that's the that's the thing. I'm just going off of Pelissero just tweeted out that. Like, they're exploring trades. I did see the uh, the announcement like a half hour, 45 minutes ago, the whole uh, San Francisco discussion. Um, by the way, Tyler, I don't know if you saw me kind of fall back in my chair a little bit that you stole MBS from me because that's who I was going to say was mine because, like you said, he can beat these corners one-on-one. He can do what I is Tyreek Hill a very different player from MBS? Absolutely. But does MBS have the ability to do- – just flat out run by dudes, especially guys like this in Tampa that aren't exactly the most fleet of foot. Yeah, he does. He can run by people. When you run four three and you're six four, you're kind of a problem. So I'm gonna, so I'm annoyed with you uh, stealing that out from under me there. But I think the main guy to watch here is going to be uh, Chris Barnes, actually. Um, Christian Kirksey uh, what, Christian Kirksey's out there, but Barnes has become the guy. Obviously, Barnes is playing with the club still, so, that's, so that might cause some issues for him. But Green Bay got ran over in the first matchup because Ronald Jones got rolling, and just the inside linebackers were a shell of themselves because everybody was injured. Barnes could be the difference maker here. If Barnes can find Fournette and Jones in the hole and slow them down, which allows the pass rushers to become more aggressive... This game can get flipped on its head. I saw I heard someone yesterday predict Green Bay winning by like 20 points and I was like, that's a little aggressive. but if you get the if you can slow down the pass r- or the running game in a major way, you now have the ability to have the pass rushers of Gary, Preston, Kenny, and Z get really aggressive up front because they can have confidence in their linebackers behind them doing their job. We haven't had a linebacker group in Green Bay in a long time, that like inside linebackers, that I'm like, yep, I have a lot of confidence in these guys. Chris Barnes, Kamal Martin, they, uh, Christian Kirksey – they, they're not they're not big name guys. They're not the they're not the fancy guys. They're not the Devin Whites. They're not the the Patrick Queens. The Devin Bushes. The guys you invested first round picks in. These are guys that you like Green Bay got for cheap on Christian Kirksey, and then got as like undrafted free agents and fifth, sixth, seventh round picks. And I have confidence in them going or like coming out tomorrow or now today and being able to really match up well with this this Bucks front. Green Bay healthy. Yes, Kevin King is banged up a little bit, but I think he's ultimately going to play. And other than that, you're missing Kingsley Kiki, which sucks. But this entire team is off the injury report outside of those two guys, and Kevin King, I think, is even going to play. This Green Bay team doesn't always have, have this good of health late in the year. I know that we've been around for, we've all been watching this team for years and seeing the, the year that Green Bay won the Super Bowl where they had 15 guys on injured reserve or they come into the playoffs a couple of years ago against Arizona and they're starting Byron Bell and three other backup offensive linemen. So this whole team is in a really good spot right now. And But Chris Barnes is my guy that I don't think is really going to get a lot of top lock a lot talked about. I think Billy Turner's important because, obviously, he's stepping in for Bakhtiari, and the left tackle spot was an issue after he came after Bakhtiari left the game because Ricky Wagner went in there, and Rick just looked overmatched on that left side. On the right side, he looks a little bit better, a little bit more confident. But everyone's going to pay attention to that. So I think Barnes is the guy. I think if Barnes can have a really good game, if him, Kirksey, uh, Martin can get really aggressive and really uh, get moving downhill against this Bucks offense— uh Tampa can be in a little bit of a little bit of a dangerous spot. You talk about health. I mean who can ever forget noted right guard Latroy Guyon
3: against the Atlanta Falcons in the NFC Championship game a few years ago? But I I do think the like the health of this team has been for the last two years has been spectacular and a lot of credit of that goes to Chris Gizzy and the strength staff, Matt LaFleur obviously and, and how they've handled practices. But I guess before we jump into a couple of things I think it's time to appreciate that the Packers are, might be setting history in this game of having the first player ever to play for two separate teams in the same postseason. Uh, Tremont Williams has been activated to the main day, main roster as a COVID replacement for Jared Vildier. He is expected to be active, and so Tremont will be the first player in NFL history to play for two separate teams in the same postseason after playing for Baltimore last week. So that, that, I think that's a pretty cool thing. They also activated Brian Price and uh, Kivari Russell for that the Bucks added uh, Ted Larson and a safety from their practice squad. The Packers also made a couple moves where they signed a punter to their practice squad. That, that was Ryan Winslow, and they released Dexter Williams. So that's just some personnel things going forward. And, and before we get to our predictions, uh, we talked a little bit, but the weather has changed the, the forecast. It's no longer snowing. During the game, it's supposed to snow throughout the, the early portions of the morning on Sunday, and then be basically done by noon or before kickoff. Maybe some flurries, it, but then again, mid to upper twenties for the high. But do you think do you think that's still gonna have a pretty big effect on this game?
4: Absolutely, absolutely. So I, I mean, they're going from Tampa to Green Bay. The weather's going to be a fa- The weather's going to be a factor. There's no other way to to really slice it. I mean, Tom Brady is probably one of the best quarterbacks you would want considering all of his years in New England, obviously, but. You know, for the rest of the team, the cold matters, <laughs> and you know these guys aren't used to playing on that type of um, on that type of field in that type of environment. Uh, the fans were impactful against the Rams by banging those signs on the freaking metal bleachers, like. That's Those are things that you obviously don't get at home, and that's why home field advantage is such a big thing in the playoffs. So, uh, you know, I, it's going to be a factor nonetheless. Uh, you know you know for damn well that that, that crowd is not going to let Brady have quiet offensive drives. You know that. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to this game because I want to see – I am really trying to see how much of an impact it is going to have on the Bucks because it clearly had an impact on the Rams. So uh, I feel like that's going to carry over this week.
5: Yeah, I, I I agree. Just as I said earlier, this Tampa team isn't exactly built with, outside of Brady, who's got 20 years playing in New, in New England. Obviously, you have Gronk there for 10 years. You have Antoine Winfield Jr. who played at Minnesota. This isn't a team built of cold weather guys. They're it, Green Bay is cold weather, lunch pail dudes. They're... Like, Rodgers won't wear a turtleneck unless it's below 34 degrees. Adams has already said he's not wearing one. Lazard and the entire offensive line goes out there just sleeved up. I'm going to be stunned if I see sleeves on anybody for Tampa other than, like, linemen because these guys are going to be cold. Like, it's 30 degrees outside. I know that those of us that have, like, have lived in the north, have lived in Wisconsin, lived in cold weather, we're like, 30 degrees, oh, that's not that bad. For guys that don't feel this weather all year long, I know the the, the joke is your friend that lives in Florida goes out in 50-degree weather and they're freezing, and then you go down from Wisconsin into 50-degree weather and you're out there with shorts and flip-flops on. But that's, that's legitimately how it is. It's a big difference to go from that super warm weather to super cold weather and vice versa. That's why Green Bay having home field advantage makes such a huge difference. Combine that with you have 10,000 fans who – are in Green Bay making a ton of noise with the signs and just they're glad to finally be there. It makes a huge difference because Brady, we've I know we've all seen the temper tantrums he's thrown every single year on the sideline. He has one seemingly about every other game or so where he's just mad and letting everybody know about it. If you can if you can get a score or like so say, let's say Tampa gets the ball first. Force a three and out, Green Bay comes out and scores. That's gonna. That pressure is gonna start to mount. It's gonna start to mount on Brady, and that cold weather. You're just gonna. It's gonna slowly crush away the hopes you had. Like the te- the Tennessee game, where they just looked like they wanted to get out of there. They were ready to run the clock out, get home because it, they were so cold. This game's not gonna be that cold. The weather's not gonna be that bad. But if you start to get behind, and you're just like, you know what? Screw this cold. I'm done. I'm out of here. It's about mind over matter, and Rogers and this Packer team. They're they're used to it. This is nothing for them. They're they're going out and playing their game. Versus Tampa has to come in and they have to deal with trying to beat Green Bay as well as trying to beat their own mind, telling them, "Hey, it's cold. We need to get out of here."
3: Yeah, you guys are both right, and that's why I kind of I wish this game had been, had been in the primetime game. But the two o'clock will still be fairly chilly out there as well. So they start to wind things down before we get to our predictions. Just very quickly, and Tyler will go to you first. What's your biggest key for the Packers to win and get to super, the Super
4: Bowl? Simple. Pressure on Tom Brady can't, if they, this offense might struggle, the Packers offense might struggle against the Bucks from a sense that this defense is good, I don't, I, I think I believe that they're better than Gage believes but the I think that the Packers have also the tools and the, the personnel and the schematics to beat this Bucks defense um, but I would rather not get into a boat race where the game comes down to one of the final drives. So, getting pressure on Tom Brady, containing the Bucks' offense because they do have a lot of talented players uh, everywhere. Uh, when you're looking at Rob Gronkowski, Cameron Brate, to Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Scotty Miller can take the top off the defense, and then you move into the backfield, Ronald Jones, who's not going to be at 100%, but he'll be playing Leonard Fournette, and then obviously Tom Brady. Uh, the offensive line is no sleuth either; they're pretty good. So, Tristan Wirfs is probably he probably should be rookie offensive rookie of the year, but he won't because he's a tackle so it's there's a lot of really talented players on this team and so uh, just doing whatever you can to minimize their effect on this game but as we talked about they've been kind of gift wrapped points uh, in some of their big wins so if you can prevent that from the offensive side that's a big key too.
5: Tyler's absolutely right Uh, Tristan Wirfs probably should be offensive rookie of the year Uh, but he's not going to because he's a tackle. Tristan Morris played really damn good ball all year long, um, and he's still playing really, really good ball. I think the argument could be made that he is top three right tackle in the game already, and he's that in his first season. Uh, since Tyler took uh, the defensive line, I'm going to go on the other side, the offensive line for Green Bay. Obviously, Rodgers pl- faced more pressure in that Bucks game than he has in any other game this year. He was under duress a lot. He was running around a lot, running for his life a lot. That can't happen. I think with the group that they have in there, Billy Turner, uh, Elton, Corey Lindsley, Luke's Patrick, and Ricky Wagner, that's still a really good five. I understand, yes, it's not the five with Dave Bakhtiari in it, but that's why the moves that – Brian Gutekinds has made to really bolster this depth chart has made such a huge difference because now, instead of trotting out, so, okay, let's say Bakhtiari gets injured, you never signed Ricky Wagner, and now you're starting Yosh Nijman, Elton Jenkins at left at left tackle, and then you're starting uh, John Runyon at, at left guard. Is John Runyon a decent left guard? Sure, but I would rather have the five that we have out there going this week. That's why offensive line depth is so important, and that's why the best teams always have either crazy good health on their offensive line or they have really good depth on their offensive line. It's rare that you see a team go really far and lack one of those two things. They're either going to have they're going to have one or the other. It's rare that you're gonna, not going to have that. So, I I just I think that the offensive line's protection protecting Rodgers is going to be important because if they can slow down the pass rush, Rodgers is going to find openings with his receivers. They're going to pick everybody apart and like Tyler said, he thinks that the defense is a little bit better than I do. That's true. That's true. I, think it's, I don't think it's as bad as I made it out to seem earlier, but I also don't think they're that good other than that front seven. The front seven's good, and that's where Green Bay really has to win. If they can slow down the pass rush, I have a lot of confidence in Green Bay's receivers and pass catchers dominating the secondary.
3: And you guys have both kind of touched on mine, but, and, we, and we talked about it with how like, the Saints game last week is that ball can't touch the ground. Uh, for, for me, turnovers are huge. Like Tampa Bay lives on terms. They're an opportunistic defense, especially that secondary. They, if they can rip the ball out, they will. If they can, The three picks and the fumble were, were the difference in that game against New Orleans. It, it helped that Drew Brees' arm is a noodle right now, but th- that they, they were able to make those plays. That can't happen with the Packers. They have to hang on to the football. You cannot have a fumble. You cannot have a tip ball that gets picked. The, Matt LaFleur always starts every postgame speech talking about the football itself and how important it is to hang on to it. If they do that, I'm fully confident that they will be playing another game in two weeks. It's that simple to me. Like if, if Tampa can't create those game changing turnovers, you can move the ball on them pretty well, and you, can, and you can have these longer drives, and you can really drain them and really make them think and make it offense on the sidelines. And I, th- I think that's going to be to me the biggest key. So. Let's them into their uh, predictions. I'm, I got thirty-one twenty Green Bay. I think I think Green Bay gets to turn over their own. That makes the difference, and they take it by eleven. Uh, Gage, what do you think?
5: For me, I'm gonna go with the same. I'm gonna go with the same prediction that I did on the uh, Forever I Love Atlanta Sports uh, podcast last night, and that is Green Bay thirty-one, Bucks twenty-eight. Uh, I said that double dipping would be really important, and I think that if Green Bay I think if Green Bay wins and gets the double dip, they'll get a field goal at the end of the first half and then they'll come out and score a touchdown and then I think that's gonna be the ultimate decider. that's it's rare to steal games anymore or steal a possession, especially against good teams. But you said that Green Bay gets a turnover. If Green Bay gets a turnover, that makes a that makes a difference. But in this scenario I'm imagining these two quarterbacks, the only turnovers that they have is punts. They take care of, they both take care of the ball really well. They both have Great chemistry with their receiving cores Like their receiver position might be better than Green Bay's But Green Bay's system maximizes their receivers And that's what makes the difference here I think Green Bay is able to steal a possession Either at the end of the first half Or they're able to steal a possession late in the game And just get the final final ball for the final drive And that's why I think it's going to be 31-28 I think it's going to be close all the way through I just have Green
4: Bay coming out on top yeah, for me I, I the Packers coming out, I think I said thirty to twenty four in my in my head. I wrote it down earlier in the week, but thirty to twenty four I think the Packers win this game by about a score, but I also think that this can be a close game. I think that it might come down to the final quarter, the last couple possessions. I don't think it comes down to the very last possession, but I think it comes down to the last couple. Uh ultimately though I think the Packers are able to make a big enough gap uh, and the defense is able to make a play towards the end of the game to get them off the field and uh that's so thirty to twenty four is where I'm going.
3: Uh, so there we have our predictions. We all think the Packers will be winning, going on to super, the Super Bowl in two weeks down in Tampa. That being said, we'll wrap things up. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at MikeWelman and on ZaleskiSports.com, broadcasting local high school sports in Wisconsin. Tyler, where people find you?
4: As always, you can find me on Twitter at Tyler underscore Grez. Uh, you'll see more content from me coming out after the Super Bowl. Uh, right now I'm taking a pretty big hiatus. I'm taking like the month of January off after that season-long grind. But... Uh, uh, some rookie content, some uh, in terms of Dynasty, some draft content coming out soon. Uh, still to be decided exactly how that's going to be formatted or what it's going to be uh, taking the body of, but uh, that'll be starting in early February for me.
5: Uh, for me, you can find me on Twitter, at gbridge for dnfl My work is at Denver Stiffs, Dynasty Nerds, Roto Baller, and actually no game on Wisconsin stuff until, like Tyler said, after the Super Bowl, I'm going to be doing some uh, draft content for them as well as my own personal draft content. Uh, I just got... I got a lot of work coming out of a lot of different places. So just if you go to my Twitter, that's where I'm putting stuff out. Because I'm also doing trying to do some Draft and Dynasty stuff on there every single day. It's not necessarily for any website that's just that's just stuff that I'm putting out for people to see. Uh, so you can find all of my stuff there. It's a lot easier to find me there than anywhere else. Of course, find us at
3: Packaday A Podcast. And wherever podcasts are found, give us a subscription, give us a like, comment, let us know how we're doing. And, of course, we'll be here every day for Stay Tuned tomorrow for the Game Recap. We'll have uh, many of our great colleagues covering that one as well. So for everyone, for Tyler Gork, for Gage Bridger, this is Mike Wendland. Saying so long, everyone. Stay warm, stay safe, enjoy championship weekend, always carry the G, and Go Pack Go!